Geographies is an art commissioning project coordinated and produced by nine organisations from the East Contemporary Visual Art Network. In 2017, members of the public were invited to nominate overlooked and forgotten places across the six counties of the East of England. Then followed an open call for artists to propose a new public artwork inspired by any of the nominated locations. A diverse and exciting group of 10 artists were selected and commissioned. Over the past three years, we've been working together to realise their ambitious projects, engaging with local artists, residents, schools and communities across the region and further afield. and I'm the curator here at Art Exchange and I'm going to say a few words about the shows and then Samira, the SU's Black Network Officer, is going to say a few words too. Now Project Space, we've got an exhibition by Maria Anastasio called Way My It Did I. And I can explain this, <laughs> which if you're interested is a homage to the Filipino seafarers in her film who love karaoke so much that they can sing it backwards. So that's Frank Sinatra's I Did It My Way. So, Maria's presents us her film in response to the historic port of entry of immigration to the UK, Tilbury in Essex. Set against the transient landscape of the Thames Estuary and laden with traces of ever-shifting global narratives of commerce and migrations, Anastasio spent 80 months connecting with three Tilbury-based refugee migrant groups, including Romanian workers, Nigerian women, asylum seekers, and this Filipino seafarers with their karaoke. I'm Maria Anastasio. I'm an artist filmmaker. I'm based in um, Essex, in Perfleet. And um, my New Geographies Commission uh, film is called Way My It Did I. The title is, uh, is the reverse uh, of the famous Frank Sinatra song, I Did It My Way. And um, it's, it's a tribute to the seafarers that I met on board the Gerda boat at the um, Tilbury port. Um, these seafarers were um, were based in Tilbury Port for 18 months, and um, because the, their contract had them based in Tilbury for that long, so they hadn't seen their families in that long. They were always um, uh, on the phone with their families, but they were basically constrained within the port limits. And they now and then they would leave the the port, and one of the first uh, things that I did with them after I met them playing basketball in the Seafarers Association within the port. Um, then they invited me and um, the project assistant, Joe, over to board their boat and they invited us for dinner. And um, uh, they cooked for us and they were very generous and welcoming. And, um, and then the next thing, um, they invited us to sing karaoke with them, which is something that they do every night to 
keep entertained and <laughs> while the hours away. So I, I, so this is kind of the anecdote of how I came across this, and I was, I was just really amazed that um, the chief engineer's uh, ability to sing this backwards, <laughs> but mainly, um, I think it's very, uh, f for me, it's very poignant to um, use something that is is quite. Um, maybe hard to pronounce or it throws you off. And it's an invitation to the film more than a description of what you will experience when you watch the film. Um, and, and it's kind of something that uh, makes you question the way that um, you understand it. And it's, it's something so familiar and yet it's turned upside down to kind of create a, another point of view and another point of entry. And um, as, as someone who speaks English as a second language, I feel like that's the, it, it felt like the Filipino sailors singing this song kind of had a different understanding of the language and the words and the rhythm and the poetry of it than maybe a first English language speaker would have. Um, so the title, um, a very famous song, Backwards, for me, it kind of um, expresses something that happens to um, an immigrant when they um, uh, have to assimilate in the new culture. You have to lose your language a little bit and then to find it again, but you have to reinvent yourself in the new language. So I think um, uh, looking at the immigrant communities of Tilbury and reflecting on its histories of migration for generations, through that point of entry, it felt like a really um, important point to make that language is very important in that process. So um, I didn't spend much time with the Filipino seafarers se actually. And the filming happened at the very beginning of um, my shooting in Tilbury, but it, it was quite amazing to have this experience with them and uh, to have them invite me so generously into their world and actually to um, have a real, real impact in how I started thinking of my, um, my process and my approach to the people that I was meeting in Tilbury. Like in the, in the way that I follow people in the film, I've, I've, they've led me to places and, I've, and that became part of um, the process. So it's, it's really been, uh, I, I, I knew this was gonna be my, um, my process and I've discovered a lot of um, things that I didn't expect to discover. There's, there's some discretion, I think, in terms of the actual worker or the cider on each application so they can sort of impose rules or not or make it shorter or lengthier, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, sort of deals already in place with the UK and the Germans referencing Poland. 
Will Polish citizens have more rights? So ve very early on in the process of the project, I was interested to explore uh, all the legal um, layers of the experience of um, primarily e EU uh, nationals living in the UK, uh, because that's the experience that I was having as a Cypriot living in the UK. And that's the, I, I wanted to connect with people who uh, were having similar anxieties as me at the time of um, uncertainty uh, for the status of EU citizens um, living in the UK. And um, in a way for me, that was uh, um, a way to start addressing bigger issues around narratives around migration and also um, identity of the immigrant and then also British identity and how those are, are kind of um, articulated in, in, in an area like Tilbury, which has the histories of migration, but also has voted 72% to leave um, the EU at the referendum. So I was always aware of those different contradictions, even though they are not uh, explicitly explored in the film. For me, it was there in the um, uh, in the background of how I was approaching people and who I was approaching and what I wanted to do with this film and how to um, how to represent it as well. I, I didn't want to create something that creates even more of a division in a way because of those uh, differences between those communities. Um, so through so from very early on in the process, I knew that I wanted to have some kind of legal element in it because those were the practical questions that I was having. And I was very aware that the communities that um, of um, predominantly Eastern Europeans who lived in the area that um, I was looking at in Tilbury uh, would not necessarily have um, access to that information and I got in touch with the, the Center for Migrant Studies at the University of Essex, uh, who were uh, actually very encouraging about the idea of uh, making something in response to um, the Life in the UK booklet and the whole process of um, uh, gaining British citizenship. Maybe through them or um, through re research, I got in touch with the um, um, Eastern European Resource Center that's based in the Polish um, Institute in Kensington. And uh, they were also very encouraging about the idea of uh, making a film with the communities in Tilbury. And um, and so they, they helped me set up uh, a legal session, uh, inviting a, a lawyer um, and supported through the European Commission to um, give a presentation and then also answer questions that people might have in regards to the EU settled and pre-settled status. Uh, so we're, so this is uh, November 2018. And of course, as everything, this was such a fluid process as well. So I did a session in November 2018 and one session in um, April 2019, and they were completely different because the even the lawyers themselves didn't know. So one of the things they said is that we can't give you uh, paper notes because y you can't keep these notes because this might change 
next month or next week, it might be different. So we can't give you anything written down. It has to be a digital presentation. Um, and starting to get to know people in the community in Tilbury and specifically uh, the Romanian restaurant in town, that was a way to kind of introduce myself and the and what I wanted to do in the area. Um, and I think it did work in the sense that it created a, uh, it did create a context around what what my um, approach was and what I was um, interested in in looking at at the area with people. Has this been a, a late a late change of boat? We were going to go on the SS Brexit, but unfortunately, it keeps going round in circles and doesn't seem ever to arrive. Pause for laughter. <laughs> now I've got a present for you all. You're all going to get a postcard courtesy of the Thurrock Museum, which is the arms of the borough of Thurrock. And it explains in about four paragraphs quite a lot of what I've been wishing on about this afternoon. Um, the, the motto translated means by the Thames to all the people of the world, which I think it probably sums up Tilbury quite well. So I will say welcome to the People's Republic of Thurrock, and we are now turning in, and the next bump you hear will be us hitting the landing stage. So these sessions, um... Uh, included a meal as well at the end, so it became a social event that was really nice, and I got to meet people and um, started filming with them. And uh, I, I basically, the Romanians that I've met in the town have been through the sessions and then through the restaurant as well. So um, the kind of local assistant that I had or the, the lady who made all the um, knit, knitting, knitted pillows, she's... Uh, called Adela and she's uh, Romanian and she used to be an NHS nurse until she became ill and she couldn't work anymore. And um, so she was, let's say, my local fixer who helped me with uh, uh, translation a lot with other people and then also helped me with um, kind of um, getting people to um, participate in the film. And so I met her through one of the sessions and uh, the same with Doreen, the lorry driver that I shot with. I've met him through uh, those sessions as well. I was looking at the sessions as kind of like uh, key points in, in my process where a momentum is built around my presence there and then I meet people. And what it brought up a lot at the, at the, at the questions at the end of the, of the session with the lawyer is that a lot of people were having challenges when it came to um, their work rights, and then that just deteriorated. So it, it just seems that the Brexit process has, that, that's where it's hit people the hardest when it comes to work rights. What happens if someone applies and they don't get set to status because they have a criminal conviction? Does it matter if I enter the UK by car or by airport or boat? How can it be checked when I enter the country? the country. When I first arrived in UK, I worked on the, on the NHS as a nurse. 
and the employee asked me to provide that I have re resident here. How can I do this? The employees couldn't give me work unless I could provide that I have residence and permission to work. I have a national insurance and everything but still they were asking me for proof of the right to work but I shouldn't be able to work with just by European, European passport. Isn't it legal to refuse me work? The other group that I worked with um in Tilbury was um, the women's group of um, the British Red Cross, the local branch. I was I I was just knocking on doors at the beginning <laughs> to uh, find a venue for the events that I wanted to make, and I came across the um, at the library in town. I came across an exhibition that they had done for the Refugee Week with the Red Cross. So then meeting the Red Cross was kind of like the first uh, organized uh, group that I had uh, an extensive uh, kind of connection with in Tilbury. And it, it, it did kind of help structure things in a way because the meetings with the Romanians are usually quite uh, informal in their houses or walking around. And, and that's how the shooting happened with them and, and then those two events. But then the Red Cross, they had a more um, s uh, kind of um, structured setup with their asylum seeker um, clients. So again, responding to what they were already interested in and doing, they were doing a, a dressmaking course at the time. And I was there um, filming with them. And, um, and then that led to um, making portraits with them wearing their traditional African, West African scarves and geles um, uh, that are usually for um, special occasions. And then uh, through that, a kind of more, um, um, a bit of an elaborate, a more elaborate little project developed with them, which included a printmaking workshop. It included uh, a walking tour of Tilbury with a local historian, Mike Osler, and um, uh, other different sessions of um, filmmaking. And then also coming up, a visit to the Royal Opera House workshops in Perfleet. This this part of the project created kind of uh, also like a... Um, we worked with the South Essex College and that uh, sort of gave the opportunity to some of the ladies to visit the college uh, premises and uh, yeah, use the proper equipment for printmaking. So the idea was to just respond to their interests and, and try and develop their skills and abilities and confidence in, in kind of using the facilities of the area that they live in. Yeah, for me, it was uh, really great to work with them because um, they are fabulous ladies and uh, they were the best um, posers ever. <laughs> they never said no to me, so I was happy. In their culture, what I really admired is just how willing they were to dress up and be be photographed. And there isn't, there, there just, there's just a very um, kind of clear celebration of looking good and kind of just, we actually experimented quite a lot and um, they trusted me quite a lot to just um, um, try things out 
and uh, and then that led to uh, taking part at the refugee week with a small exhibition that was uh, of their portraits that was installed in the um, uh, in the building of the Red Cross in Tilbury. Uh, so that kind of was the culmination a little bit of uh, of that section of the project. So yeah, so that so that's the three groups. And then in a way, they're quite disparate in the town. They're quite separate. They don't, they don't overlap at all, actually. I think for me, it was, it was good to have all these different elements to think about and to just um, kind of um, compare the experiences as well. And the thing I think that brings them together, especially the West Africans and the Romanians, is again the, the legal session. Um, so in the section with the um, West African ladies in the film, we see that there is a, a legal session uh, happening as well. And that was specifically to do with uh, domestic abuse and um, uh, edu educating them about knowing their rights and the different legal terms. I claim asylum. If I have money, then I won't claim asylum. Vulnerability puts so many people in different situations. Yeah. And who are the abusers? The ones that have the power. The ones that have power over the object. The others, yeah. Or more opportunity. And can be... Control. Can be women? Yes. yes. Other women. Other women so too. Can be a, a, a yeah. state, can be a government yeah. abusers? Yes. Okay. Okay, so now I need to ask you if you agree or disagree with these questions. And uh, okay, let's start with the first one. Who agrees that all people are equally likely to become victim of abuse? Agree. Is it a high? Yes. You agree? All people decide. Everybody. All people are equally likely to become a victim of abuse. Yes. Why do you agree, Ivan? Why do you agree? So yeah, so that brings me to uh, what I was saying before to the, the different like layers of uh, visibility as well and vulnerability that I encountered uh, during the making of this. And I think I wanted to make that not explicitly, but I wanted it to be present in the film that I also felt that at some points there was a veil in front of my eyes and I couldn't really reach um, certain people or I also didn't feel like I should in, in every uh, filmmaking relationship there is a, a there has to be a, an understanding and there has to be an agreement between filmmaker and subject of, and there is a dynamic of, um, and, and a power relationship between who is being represented and how. So, um, so the film is um, a meditation of living and working in Tilbury and it takes us through, um, through the river into the port um, so we see a boat arriving into Tilbury Port and uh, being unloaded in the docks. Uh, and then from the docks, we then follow um, a lorry driver that um, takes uh, containers 
from the port and drives them all around the country. And then uh, as we are driving with Dorin, the lorry driver, who is also from Romania, we hear um, the news and we understand kind of like chronologically where we are based because I did most of the filming between March and April when it was the build-up to the date that didn't happen for Brexit. And then through that, we we are introduced to the community and to the legal session uh, that happens in the Zani restaurant and um, and then to the different separate participants that I met in those sessions. And then, um, and then from that, uh, that leads us to uh, the riverside and to a walk with the um, uh, West African ladies. And then that kind of takes us into the, the legal session that um, we had with them and also the different workshops of the printmaking. And then for the end, uh, we uh, visit uh, Jello in his phone fixing shop. And um, uh, we hear him read out uh, questions from the Life in the UK booklet. And then also that that brings, that introduces the, the sound, which is heavily um, influenced by the presence of the port and the different uh, processes of the port. So this is very much a very strong experience that one has when he's in Tilbury. As the sonic environment is, is dominated by the presence of the port. So even if you are at the edge of town, you can still hear the scrap metal heap uh, being dropped. You can still hear the, the low rumbling of the big container uh, ships passing by in the river. So I think that was actually one of the first observations that I had and a very strong, very strong element in the film. So yeah, all the different clogs and machines and uh, all the textures of, of, of the sounds made it into the film. I shot uh, everything on um, hand-cranked 16mm cameras. So I had three different cameras that I used for different occasions to shoot on um, analog gave me uh, a structure and a discipline in my shooting situations um, in that it gave me um, a way to approach uh, this kind of very big subject and and a, a place I didn't know essentially and I had just moved to um, this new place. Uh, so it gave me a way in, in how I structured the shooting days. That was the first and the second is that it also creates, um, I was interested in uh, exploring what it creates when it comes to uh, very intimate um, shooting situations with people where um, uh, they have to trust me um, and I have to kind of trust them. And the presence of the camera and the presence of, uh, or rather the lack of an image 
that uh, one can see, uh, can play back, I think creates a, a mutual risk taking in that moment that um, I feel that allows for other things to happen and allows for a different kind of focus um, when you are shooting. So the focus is not on the image, the focus is on the performance and what is happening in the room. So it was it, that was specifically what I wanted to explore. What I do get to shoot on the the shooting day is is basically one percent of what happened. So it's it's a very sharp um, um, distill distillation of uh, what was there in front of me, and I think, in a way, it's um, the I I feel like. Um, the analog image has a more direct relationship to the world rather than a digital image of within this context. So, um, and then, uh, so shooting on 16, um, the camera doesn't have a, a soundtrack. So you are always shooting sound and image separately. And again, that creates another relationship to the sound that uh, you that you use in the film. And it creates another, I think it creates a deeper meditation into the soundtrack and how you develop it and construct it. So um, the film is, is edited in such a way that th there is a lot of um, location sound, but sometimes it's synced and sometimes it's not. And, and then I feel like uh, this very slippery relationship between uh, sound and image it was kind of important for me to be present to also just reflect on the construction of the documentary image and and also the question of the truth. <laughs> You can see all 270 nominated locations alongside details of each of the 10 artists' projects at www.newgeographies.uk. New Geographies has been produced by Art Exchange, East Gallery NUA, First Sight, Focal Point Gallery, Kettles Yard, Norwich Castle Museum and Art Gallery, Original Projects, UH Arts and Wising Arts Centre. New Geographies is supported by Arts Council England. <laughs>